Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. I don't know the first thing about investing my money, and it is all so overwhelming, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I love that Acorns makes it so easy and how you don't need a lot of money to get started. So head to acorns.com creepers or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Paid non-client endorsement may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com creepers. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC, Acorns, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. God, I'm the worst. I would never date me. At night when Russell's like fast asleep and I like get in bed, like nights like tonight and I'm up later. My feet belong to a dead body. They're so cold. And I will stick them like right under his warm legs and he like shoots out of bed. And he's like, what? Like, I'm so sorry, but I need your body. Oh, even in May? Yeah. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. I am also a grandma, and I know I already told you this, but... I have to go hiking this weekend with a lot of youths. And by youths, I don't mean (laughs) like children on a field trip. I mean people in their early 20s. And I am concerned. (laughs) I already – this is so bad. This is so bad for this bachelorette party. I am very excited to go. Like, it's going to be fun. But – I'm just thinking about the type of person who goes hiking for a bachelorette party. (laughs) Yeah. In the literal desert, it is Arizona. Like, the weather is 102 degrees when I will be hiking. And immediately, I panicked and was like, I just got to pretend like I'm pregnant. That's it. I got to say I'm pregnant. I can't go. Like, that was my immediate, like, that's it. I can't do it. I do not like being very hot unless there's a pool right (laughs) next to me. We've covered that. We've covered you. I think that really relates back to, like, not wearing pants not signing up for the peace corps yeah i do my uh one of my best friends down here stephanie she put a pool in her backyard she's got me house sitting (gasps) in june and i was like yes i will house it for you because you have a pool (laughs) that sounds amazing speaking of june Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. should we tell the people the bad news for them not for us for them Yes, we need to announce our summer break. Kristen's going to be at a pool, as you just heard. So she ain't going to be working on anything. Oh, man, I am excited about this break, too. I love doing this podcast. It is the my favorite thing in my life. But, but we're exhausted, okay? We're, we're exhausted. exhausted. <laughs> and we got to take the break to avoid the burnout. We want to keep the episodes good. So our last episode before the break is going to be next week, June the 2nd. So you'll have one more episode after this one before we say goodbye to you for like 
five weeks or so, we uh, will return on July 17th. 14th. Are people screaming right now? Can we hear the people we screaming? On July 14th. Well, I hope that you'll miss us. I mean, that would be good if you miss us. <laughs> no. We're going to come back and we're going to have zero followers. If you do miss us, if you find that you just can't live without us in June, we will still be doing our Patreon stuff. We'll have our bonus episode out in June, and we will be releasing the mini creeps in June. And we've got like nine other bonus episodes up there. So if you haven't signed up yet, you'd have, you know, more than one a week to keep you busy while we are taking our break by the pool. I will be by the pool. Mocap will be working. <laughs> yeah, God. Uh, <laughs> woof. Woof. <laughs> Also, another thing that can keep you going for your hike at oh, the bachelorette party. Listen, if you don't think I've already <laughs> stocked up on my athletic greens, you are dead wrong. <laughs> athletic Greens is our sponsor again this week. Mogab, tell the people what the Athletic Greens is. <laughs> Mogab, tell the people that it While is a I pull supplement. Up this copy. <laughs> That it is a supplement that you can add to your water. And by my water, I mean like probably my whole Camelback and 50 water bottles. Mm -hmm. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced, you guessed it, superfoods, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Still trying to figure out what that is, but I hope it makes me adaptable to the heat and hiking. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery focus and aging, all the things. It is going to be exactly what you need for that hike. <laughs> That's what you think. You're going to be looking for a new co-host for <laughs> sure. I'd already told you to share your location, but I can't help you if you die in a puddle of your own sweat. <laughs> well, good news is it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, nothing artificial at all. And still tastes really good. It's also cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and now is the perfect time to try because Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's athleticgreens.com slash E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. So many people have said they're going to sign up to get the vitamin D. I want that vitamin D. <laughs> I want that vitamin D. I, listen, I will be drinking this before I go on the hike because I want to drink this, cleanse my system, and mm -hmm. eat all of the Whataburger. I can't Tucson. wait to hear your testimonial when you come back. <laughs> Great. I'm be like, I died. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine. But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. 
Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. All right. I'm so excited to tell you this story today. I stumbled upon this. I can't believe I'd never heard this. This was one of the most wild stories I've ever told. What if I've heard it? That would be hilarious. It'll never happen, but where would you have heard it? I don't know. <laughs> did you sneaky watch 2020? Okay, actually, I did accidentally. We were ju- No, it was Dateline. Remember how I was like, I don't really know oh. what Dateline is? Uh-huh. I ended up accidentally watching an episode of Dateline. Okay, what do you like, think? It was very good. The true crime newbie gets sucked into the date. That's how. That's what gets us all, Mogab. It's the Dateline. Well, I was it's the downstairs. And it's the Dateline. <laughs> I was downstairs on a call, and Russell it had like come on, and I think he just never uh-huh. changed the channel. And then twenty minutes in, so I was like kind of listening on this conference call, which uh, I shouldn't sure, admit. Yeah. But Why wouldn't you? Then I went upstairs and sat down, and we watched like the whole other hour or whatever one of very- us one of <laughs> us one <laughs> of us at the end it, it was like dateline and i go oh my god i think i just watched an episode of dateline <laughs> i was like did really it have excited. a nice voiceover yes yes yeah yeah mm-hmm. it did it was a pleasant i can't do keith morrison i'm not gonna even try <laughs> well the people love when you do try <laughs> I, know, but I cannot do Nobody can do Keith Morrison, but Keith Morrison. Mm. Unfortunately, I cheated on Dateline this this week and want to give a big thank you to an episode of 2020 titled Overboard, as well as the book Dead Reckoning by Caitlin Rother. 
Both of these were oh so helpful in this episode. All right. Are you ready for this? Dun, dun, I can't jock jams every time you ask me that. Dun, 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 but it does make me realize how many times you ask me that because I can't not go into jock jams. <laughs> you can also up. do Taylor. Are you ready for it? Boom, 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 boom. We're gonna get we're gonna get this taken down for copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure they will immediately recognize what song they're singing. <laughs> Obviously. All right. It was November 17th, 2004, and Ryan and Matt Hawks were getting really worried about their dad and their stepmom, Tom and Jackie Hawks. No one had heard from them in a few days, and this was really unlike them. Up until two days before, they had been driving Matt and his wife, Nicole, crazy with constant phone calls checking in on their brand new grandson, Jace. It was their first grandchild, and to say that they were stoked would be an understatement. Stoked. Stoked. Tom and Jackie had been married for 15 years. They met at a chili cook-off in Arizona in 1986, and it was practically love at first sight. Oh, my gosh. That is the kind of love story that I'm here for. What a meet cute. <laughs> a, a chili, chili cook-off? I know. That, I know. that sounds like everything I ever hoped for. I know. And when they met, Tom had two boys from his previous marriage. And Jackie was actually in a wheelchair at that time while she was recovering from this motorcycle accident that had killed her first husband. But they got to know each other and they just fell in love and they had this really beautiful relationship. Ryan and Matt even started calling Jackie mom, which meant so much to her because her injuries from that motorcycle accident meant that she wouldn't be able to have her own kids. And so his kids became her kids and they just had this great life together. Until you started telling me this story, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Mm. Ryan and Matt said that Jackie was very sweet, very down to earth, and they became this very like close-knit family unit. Tom and Jackie both had this spirit of adventure, and they both loved the water. Tom had grown up on a farm in California with his brother Jim, and he loved to surf, and he loved to sail. His dream had been to retire at 50, buy a boat, and go live on it. And Jackie was all about that dream. Yeah. She loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's not? You know, mm, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> no, thanks. They weren't rich people, but they scrimped and they saved and they were always very frugal and they were working towards this goal. They invested in some small properties that made them some money. And when Tom hit his 50s, he was able to retire and they bought a 55-foot yacht for $300,000. I'm sorry. I think a yacht is different than a boat, right? Like, a, uh, a yacht is like a big boat. Yeah, I know. But you were just like, oh, they're going to buy a boat. Like, I'm thinking of like a, you know, little They're going to live on it. They yeah. said they were going to live on it. They're not going to live on a sea do. Yeah, but like a houseboat. Okay. Oh, 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 I gotcha. I gotcha. Like a houseboat. It's a houseboat, but it, they call it a yacht. <laughs> it's like a penthouse suite boat. It's like a... And this wasn't like the fanciest of yachts. Yeah. It was a $300,000 yacht, not a million dollar yacht, but they loved it. They named the boat well-deserved and everyone thought it was the perfect name because they all felt that it very much was well-deserved. The well-deserved was a trawler. It's a smaller yacht, but very livable. They updated the inside. They shined that teak wood interior and Mm -hmm. they put in a lot of updated equipment like GPS. 
There's this video of Tom. Jackie loved to take home movies. She would take home movies all the time. And and there's this one video of Tom, like, really excited, showing off his GPS system, you know? Oh, I'm sure. This is where we are. And this is how (laughs) it works. It was really cute. (laughs) Uh, They moored the well-deserved at a marina in Newport Beach, which is in Southern California. So many of our recent episodes have taken place in Southern California including our bonus episode that just dropped last week. Mm-hmm. I swear that's not on purpose, but uh, Newport is between LA and San Diego. Supposedly, I, I was also schooled on our Patreon that Laguna Beach is nowhere near LA. And <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. I saw it oh. on a map. <laughs> I swear I looked at a map. <laughs> I've been to Newport recently. Well, that's uh-huh. remember when we did the episode in Irvine, uh-huh. whatever yeah. one that was. That's like yeah. right there. It's yeah, like, year like ago. the same, basically. Well, it's between LA and San Diego, and it has this gorgeous coastline, and there's a lot of money there. Yeah. The ocean there is just lined with these like multi million dollar homes. They all have docks made to hold these giant 50 foot yachts. Tom and Jackie, after they bought the boat, they spent the next couple of years living on it, bouncing down the California coast, going from Newport Beach to Mexico. They were this really great team and just literally out there living their best life. In 2004, Tom was 57 and Jackie was about 10 years younger than him. And they were both in absolutely incredible shape, super toned, super tanned. Drinking their athletic greens. (laughs) Drinking those athletic greens. Tom would lift weights and do pull-ups off the side of the boat to stay in shape. (sighs) Okay, Tom. In an article... In an article for the magazine Latitudes and Attitudes, <laughs> I know <laughs> it's like a Jimmy Buffett song, right? I know it, oh, that it should be a Jimmy Buffett song. I think latitudes it is. Latitudes and attitudes. I think Get that's your how it goes. Latitude and bring your <laughs> latitude. Oh my god! <laughs> the copyright police are coming. <laughs> this episode, I wrote that song, and they will have to take me to court to prove it <laughs> that I didn't. Anyways, in this magazine, Tom said, life is just too short to put things off, and one cannot discover new oceans unless they have the courage to lose sight of the shore. And they were losing sight of the shore. They were going out. They were having these adventures. They were having a great time. But then they found out that their son, Matt, and his wife, Nicole, were expecting a baby. And like I said, it was their first grandchild. And Jackie especially was so excited about him. Because she wants to hold a little baby. She wants to hold a little baby. She they wanted to like a little baby. Yes. They wanted to be around to do the typical grandparent stuff. So they decided they were going to sell the yacht, take the money, and move closer to Matt. In the 2020 episode, they had videos of Tom and Jackie with the baby. They got to meet him when he was two weeks old. And they just seemed like the most doting of grandparents. They were all about this baby. Matt lived in Arizona, and so Tom and Jackie figured they could downsize the yacht, they could get a smaller boat, dock it in Mexico, in the resort town of San Carlos, and maybe get a little house there. And this would let them be close enough to Arizona for frequent visits with Matt and the baby, while still able to like take their boat out and go live their cruising life. Tom was really frugal. He'd wanted to sell the boat himself instead of using a broker. He'd taken an ad out in the paper, and the last Ryan, his son, heard, they were taking some prospective buyers out for a sea trial, which is like a test drive for boats. Yeah. Tom had seemed pretty certain this sale was going to go through. It was a young couple. Their names were Skylar and Jennifer DeLeon. 
who had a toddler named Haley, a little 10-month-old baby named Haley, and Jennifer was pregnant with their second child. Oh, wow. And side note, at this time, Skylar was presenting as male, but in 2019, he officially, she officially transitioned to female. So I will be referring to her as female. I just didn't want that to be confusing. Who? Skylar. Okay. Skylar had been a Marine and a pretty impressive one at that. She'd been part of Marine Corps Force Recon, which is one of the most elite forces in the U.S. military. She had money from her time as a child actor. She'd been on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <gasps> Wait, I just, we just watched an episode of that. Which ranger? <laughs> uh, I cannot tell you. <laughs> Why? I cannot tell you. Oh, is it part of the case? Yes. Why? Okay. <laughs> She'd been on the Power Rangers when she was younger, and the Hawks had met her and Jennifer several times already, and they both seemed very eager about buying this yacht. Two days before the I can't believe trial, there's a Power Ranger in this episode. <laughs> I thought I had seen it all. And, you know, the there's always... Power Rangers! There's always one thing I can't let go, like whether it be Olive Garden or uh-huh. whatever, and I just... Sure. I already know this is going to be it. Yeah. <laughs> Power Rangers. Two days before the sea trial, Tom and Jackie had taken some friends out to Catalina Island for like a last hurrah on Well Deserved. Catalina is a small island off the coast of Los Angeles, and they ha- they'd had a little party on the yacht there with like Tom's brother Jim and okay, his then best Laguna- friend Don. Okay, then Laguna Beach is close, I feel like. Because remember the whole episode of Laguna Beach where they go to Catalina Island? <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. It's but this is, like, this is still not close to L.A. I said Laguna Beach was like near L.A. And it is oh, not. No. I don't know why I thought that. Okay. Steve, then we're all going to Catalina. Catalina is a small island off the coast. Oh, Catalina is off the coast of Los Angeles. I don't That's know. That's what I was saying. Look, that I think well, they drove to get there. Like, it's not far, but it's well, not like... figure it out, okay? Yeah, look, Catalina is a small island off the coast of Los Angeles, according to that map that I looked at, but I could be wrong. And they'd had a little party on the yacht there with Tom's brother, Jim, his best friend, Don, and two other, like, longtime friends. They played Mexican train dominoes. Have you ever played that? Yes, Russell's family is obsessed, and we play yeah. every time we're together, and it's so fun. My godparents are, are obsessed. We play it every time we get together. They love it. Oh, I've gotten like really good. Russell and I would play each other, just the two of us during like quarantine. And if you Uh ever play with only two people, it gets like really crazy. Oh, well, they played Mexican train and they just kind of toasted to all the good times they'd had on the well-deserved. And it seemed bittersweet. Like Tom and Jackie were sad to say goodbye to their life on well-deserved, but they were really excited for this new adventure as grandparents to Jace. Hmm. But now the excited calls to Matt checking on baby Jace had stopped. And Tom and Jackie weren't answering calls either or responding to texts. Ryan, their other son, he was trying not to panic about this lack of communication. He knew Tom and Jackie had been in the process of selling the well-deserved. And he was hoping that they had just decided to head to Mexico after selling the boat and that they were down there enjoying themselves so much that they didn't realize that they were unreachable. But then their friends started to contact Ryan and Matt, asking if they'd heard from Tom and Jackie, people that had been expecting a phone call or a visit that never happened. Ryan was still trying to stay optimistic, but he was really worried. It seemed like the last time anyone had spoken to his parents had been while they were on the sea trial on November 15th, 2004. Jackie had called a friend from the boat and left them a voicemail 
saying that they were out at sea with the purchaser and that she'd call them again when she got back. But she never called. So Ryan got in touch with his uncle Jim, Tom's brother. Jim had been the chief of police in Carlsbad, New Mexico, but was now living in San Diego County, close to Ryan. And it wasn't unusual for him to go a few days or even a couple of weeks without hearing from his brother, and he never worried about him. Tom could definitely take care of himself. He was a former firefighter, a retired probation officer, and like current bodybuilder who had served in the Vietnam War. You know, this is not, this is a tough guy. This is a guy that can take care of himself. But when Ryan explained how neither Tom nor Jackie were responding to messages, that they had missed plans with friends and they'd even missed medical appointments, and no Uh one had spoken to them in several days, Jim got worried. He got one of Tom's oldest friends, a man named Don Treffren, I believe, and they drove out to Newport to see if they could find Tom and Jackie. The first place they checked was the marina where Tom and Jackie kept the well-deserved moored, and they found it immediately. It was Oh, the boat, the boat was boat there. Was, yeah, it was exactly where it was supposed to be. Oh. Moored in their spot at the marina. He was really relieved at first, but a few things stood out to him as odd. Tom was completely anal about the yacht, and he usually kept everything perfect, but there was a towel hanging out of a porthole. The canvas cover wasn't on right. It just looked sloppy. Okay, like, like a towel would... hanging out of a porthole is like SOS. Is it really? Well, I mean, isn't it like when you hang a towel or something out of a window of a car? You know, like oh, that's like huh. a that's like a signal, like help me, right? Oh, interesting. Don't you know that? Did you know that? What are you going to do if you get kidnapped? Don't you know to? I'm going to kick the tail light out and wave my hand. Through that's it. if what you're you in the trunk. Do? That's if you're in the trunk. Oh. Well, if I'm in the cab of the car, I will. I will. You need to never put your towel get in the, the window. Cab. Well, then wouldn't they see it? <laughs> Don't you see something blowing in the wind? What it actually means to hang a white towel. It was a white towel. Yeah, the towel is meant to signal I need help. A white towel out of a window. Oh, I wonder if he was doing that. Oh, that makes me... Oh. Maybe he was. I'm not sure. I don't know if he would have had the opportunity because I do know what happened. But looking closer, other things stuck out as odd to Jim. The combination lock on the cabin door had been replaced. The dinghy was tied up with a knot that Tom never would have made. It, like, wasn't well-tied. The motor of the boat hadn't been lifted out of the water. Tom always made sure the motor was up when the yacht was moored because salt water is corrosive. Yeah, that's like 101. I think think we just need to pause and recognize that the true crime newbie knew something that you didn't. And I just feel like (laughs) I need that, like, moment in the sun. Okay. Paused and recognized. Good job. Yeah, I did not know that. Moving on. Yeah, you definitely always lift the motor out of the water. I even know that. They also looked around for Tom and Jackie's Honda CRV, but it was nowhere to be seen. It wasn't anywhere in the parking lot at the marina. Jim tried to tell himself that all this meant was that the sail had gone through. The Power Ranger owned the boat now, and they'd left it in this condition. But there were still several personal (laughs) items of Tom and Jackie's on the boat. There was a surfboard that Don had custom made for Tom. Oh, you ain't leaving that behind. Right. And Jim's fishing gear was even still on the boat. He's like, they wouldn't leave my stuff here. Jim really wanted to talk to these buyers of well-deserved. So he left one of his old police chief cards on the boat, and he wrote the word retired next to where it said police chief, and just left a note on the card that said he was looking for his brother, Tom Hawks, and asked them to call him. Why wouldn't he? I guess he doesn't have their contact info. 
No, yeah, he doesn't. He he just knew. I'm like, that's your best bet? Yeah, he just knew what he'd been told about these buyers. But yeah, he didn't have any contact information. To his surprise, he got a call from Jennifer DeLeon, who told him that she'd bought the boat with her husband, Skylar. They'd paid for it in full with cash. Hmm. Jennifer told Jim that she was pregnant and at work, so she couldn't talk long. But she said that after the sale of the yacht went through, she saw Tom and Jackie get in their car and drove away. And that was the last she'd seen or heard from them. She said they'd been trying to get a hold of the Hawks as well because they had some questions about the boat, but they hadn't called them back. Jim told her it was weird that they'd left these personal items behind, like the custom-made surfboard. And Jennifer told him that she and Skylar had said they could take their time getting their stuff off the boat, but they hadn't been expecting them to just disappear like this. Yeah, and leave everything in no, like, transition of Right, they stuff. hadn't trained them how to use the boat, nothing. Keys, like, whatever. They had the keys, but that's about it. Yeah. She told Jim that Tom and Jackie had talked about going to San Carlos, Mexico, and that's all she really knew. But Jim hung up the phone and immediately turned to his wife and said, she's lying. <gasps> I was just about to say, does she seem trustworthy? <laughs> Trisha Schutz was also very concerned. She was Jackie's very best friend, and she'd, yeah. she'd also been managing Tom and Jackie's business affairs, and she was the one making sure all their bills got paid and everything while they were out at sea. And I just need to make sure that all of my close friends realize that this is not a skill set that I would ever have. So please never ask me to do that. Your bills would not be getting paid. <laughs> Listen. We're going to put that on auto draft or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I would tap you for a lot of things, but my personal affairs, <laughs> perhaps. Not so much. Yeah, Perhaps not. Jackie had called Trisha every day leading up to the sale of the boat to keep her updated on all the negotiations, but she hadn't heard from her since the sea trial. She'd been trying to check the Hawks' account at Stockman's Bank to see if there had been any large deposits from the sale of the boat, but the bank's computers were down for several days. When she finally gained access, she saw that no deposit from the boat sale had been made. Not only that, but there'd been no activity on the account at all. Oh. The family had made a pact. If they hadn't heard from Tom and Jackie by Thanksgiving, they'd file a missing persons report on them. And Thanksgiving came and went without so much as an email from them. Oh and gosh. that more than anything else so far told them that there's no way Tom and Jackie are just having a good time somewhere in Mexico and losing track of time. They would have never missed a holiday, especially not their first Thanksgiving as grandparents. Yeah, like Red flags. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. A missing persons report was filed, and generally, missing persons cases are solved really quickly. About 500,000 people are reported missing every year, and 99.8 of them are found alive, and the vast majority of them within 24 hours. That is crazy to me. I would have mm -hmm. never known. You've said something like that similarly before. I would have never yeah. known that stat. Did you hear – not – Sidebar real quick, but did you hear about the woman and Katie and the dog? Yes. I we know. just talked about it at Equisearch, at the Equisearch. So like, if you're not in the Facebook group, we have a little true crime discussion at the local library here in Clear Lake, Texas, in Seabrook, Texas. And we've been having a little group of us going on Thursdays to this true crime discussion. And last week, they had the Texas Equisearch there. Tim Miller uh -huh. was supposed to be there. 
But the FBI had called him out like an hour before he was supposed to present. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Local library, yeah. FBI. I mean. Right. He had more important things to do. But they had representatives from EquiSearch come and talk about it. And they talked about that case because they helped in yeah. that case. Yeah. I can't believe that dog stayed with her for So for days. those that pe- people that don't yeah, know what we're sorry. talking about, this woman went out walking her dog and she, she got lost. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And she had dementia, but she was lost for like three days or something. In the woods. Yeah, in the woods, like in the neighborhood by their house in Katy. Mm-hmm. And the Max. whole community, her dog to name was Max. And the whole community came out, like people were just showing up saying, I have an ATV, I'm going to go search. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was just trying to like go where they were needed and, and search these areas. And it was a really great turnout. And she was found and her dog was found and they were fine. But her dog, they found her because her dog stayed with her for three days and was barking and yep. stayed by her side. And they heard the bark and found him. Oh, found her. I know. So I know. He's been like received all these honors and everything. <sighs> well, That's he's crazy. a very good boy. And a very good boy. Why did I, why did I go on that tangent just now? Because of our missing persons statistic. Oh, yeah. I just didn't realize how often. And and I guess a lot of those are probably like people reporting someone is missing, but then it's really like they just didn't tell someone where they were going. And Yeah, it's often the result of a miscommunication or lack of communication. I just watched a TikTok where this girl talked about back when she was a kid, her mom like came into her room and was like, hey, where's your sister? And she's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, did she get off the bus with you? And she's like, I don't know. What are you talking about? And she, her mom ends up calling the police. Like, no one has seen her sister. And they're all panicked. The police are, like, all at their house because the, the sister was young. And they're, like, taking reports and all of this stuff. Her sister rolls up. She'd been at horseback riding lessons where she went every single Wednesday for two hours after school. And all of them had just forgotten she was oh. at horseback riding. What do you do? So, like, I am so sorry. I mean, yeah, you, I guess you try not to do that. It's like this one time this girl in college went to class and she didn't answer her <laughs> cell phone and her mom just sent the police to her dorm room, even though she was in art history class. Like, so that weird, you, right? Girl? Was that you, girl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So most missing people are found alive quickly. That still leaves over 2,000 missing people every year that are not found or not found alive. Is that just in the U.S.? Yes. Yeah, these are U.S. statistics. Yeah. But it was clear from the start to detectives that this wasn't your average missing persons case. Jim Hawk had been doing his homework. He was the former chief of police, and he wasn't just waiting around for Tom and Jackie or waiting to file the missing persons report. He had been gathering as much information as he could, along with the current police sergeant in Carlsbad, Jay Eppel, who Jim knew really well, and Jim's daughters, Leanne and Lynn. Leanne was a police officer, and Lynn did pre-employment backgrounds for a living. So she'd been checking out the De Leons, and what they'd found was not so good. He's a Power Ranger, though. Skyler, it turns out... Power Ranger, also a convicted felon. What? Currently out on probation. She'd done some jail time for armed burglary after she'd broken into a house with a weapon. Also, Ryan had already Googled Skylar, seen she was not a Power Ranger. She had had a non-speaking role in one episode 
of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So that's how you can tell me what color Power Ranger. Right, I was just was... about to say, my Power Rangers would never. She was basically a featured extra, but she told everybody that she was a Power Ranger. Oh. It was definitely enough to shake their confidence that the De Leons were legit buyers of a 55-foot yacht. Yeah. On November 29th, 2004, the Hawks had been missing for 14 days, two whole weeks. And by this time, law enforcement has gotten involved. They've got a search warrant for the boat, and Sergeant Dave Byington and a few detectives go out to conduct the search on the boat. The first thing they notice is the boat's a complete mess, and they know Tom Hawks did not leave it that way. Another weird thing that police soon find out about... Trisha Shoots, Jackie's best friend that runs all their accounts and pays all their bills, she got a really weird phone call from the bank where Tom and Jackie have their accounts that said that Skylar and Jennifer DeLeon had come into the bank with documents showing that Tom and Jackie had signed over power of attorney to them. What? Uh-uh. Yeah. They'd come into the bank trying to withdraw money from Tom and Jackie's account, and the manager said they had all the right documents. And everything looked completely legit. But even so, she had not allowed them access to the accounts that day. Keep of the week. Yeah. She said she'd need to speak to Tom before doing that. I guess that's one of the perks of banking at a smaller bank where, like, everyone knows you. Yeah, like, Chase isn't, like, <laughs> no checking on. So Skylar and Jennifer are put under surveillance with detectives parked outside of the duplex that Jennifer's parents owned. They didn't know that actually the entire family had been living in an extended stay America hotel for about a month before the sale of the yacht because of an electric fire in their house that had been started by faulty electrical wiring in a fish tank in the home. Wait, did they get insurance money? So interesting that you ask that. The book might have gone more into this. I didn't. I hopped around in the book a bit. Oh, was it an e-book? It was an ebook. But as far as I know, they never really went back to this whole fish tank thing. And I couldn't find any news reports about it. I did give it a goog. I did Google it. But they intimated that Skylar was the one that caused the fire. They said that he was the one that would mess around with the fish tank. And they think he started the fire. So I had the same thought as you, but no word on if there was an insurance payout. I'm not sure. Remember when Exhibit was putting fish tanks in people's car on Pet My Ride? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just like absolutely needed Do you a know vehicle. how badly I wanted to go on <laughs> Pit My Ride? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> if you were on Pit My Ride, what would your thing be? Mine would be the trunk would open and it'd just be like a, a hibachi like grill and waffle irons. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a little grill so I can make hash browns and there'd be like waffle irons. That's what they would put in my trunk. That's amazing. Oh, I haven't given speech. it as much thought as you. Okay. I can't well, come up with something that good on circle the spot. Back. I would definitely have a soda dispenser somewhere. <laughs> yeah, just like a fountain drink machine and probably yeah. like a small library of books that just like Ooh, pop yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I already know. Yours would be like a movie theater. It would have the fountain mm-hmm. drink and a popcorn machine and a little screen to watch movies. Like a little drive-in theater. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So Newport Beach has about one homicide a year. So usually the detec- the homicide detectives aren't super busy out mm-hmm. there. But mm-hmm. just that week, there had been a murder-suicide, a hostage situation in a jewelry store, 
and a bank robbery that ended in the thief's death. There were three homicide detectives in Newport. One was out with an injury and the other two were dealing with all this stuff. So one of the economic crimes detectives, Evan Saylor, was assigned to this case. Byington said that this fraud detective turned out to be the best homicide detective he'd ever seen. Oh, good, because I was about to be like, ooh. I know. Me too. I got nervous. So Byington started out as Saylor's supervisor, but soon they were working more as partners. They had, like I said, they had the De Leon's under surveillance, and soon those uh, officers that were watching them, they called Byington and Sailor, said, we saw them, we followed them to this church. It was like a storefront church located in a strip mall where the detectives that had been surveilling them saw them enter. So Byington and Sailor showed up to see Skylar like inside the church pushing this cart of cleaning supplies and pregnant Jennifer helping clean the church, just volunteering. Hmm. And so at first, Sergeant Byington is thinking, all right, these are nice kids, and they're young. Like, Jennifer's like 23 or 22 or something, and Skylar's not much older than her. Like, they're very young. And he's thinking, you know, these seem like nice kids. They're volunteering to clean their church in their spare time. They've got this growing family. He really thinks that the Hawks are fine, and this case is going to be closed quickly. In fact, he knew that the Hawks' car had been flagged crossing the border into Mexico, and he was sure oh. that they were down there. And the answers to all their questions would come as soon as Tom and Jackie surfaced. The detectives separated the couple with Byington speaking with Jennifer and Sailor speaking with Skylar. Byington told Jennifer that the Hawks family and friends were really concerned, and she said she was really concerned too. You know, they'd been trying to reach the Hawks ever since they bought the boat but all their calls were going to voicemail. She said they'd left behind so much of their personal stuff, they didn't know what to do with it all, but they hadn't been able to get a hold of them, so they just started going through it themselves. She then repeated basically the same story that she'd told to Jim on the phone. She said that she and Haley had come by the boat earlier that month to meet Tom and Jackie, but that she just chatted with Jackie while Skylar discussed the price with Tom, and that Skylar handled the transaction because she was the one in charge of the family finances. Jennifer said they paid $265,000 in cash for the boat, and the documents were all signed and notarized. And they'd last seen the Hawkses driving away in their CRV. Do the Hawkses have to sign the documents as well, notarized? Uh-huh. Or just? Yep. Oh, so they're signatures yep. on there. Yep, they're signatures Let's get that there, handwriting specialist analysis. <laughs> no, it's their signature. Huh. When Byington and Sailor met back up to compare notes, the stories matched up. The only difference was that Skylar said that she'd told Jennifer they'd paid 265000 but really they'd paid 465000 But Skylar said that Tom had agreed to underreport the sale so that they could both get a tax break on it. Mm. So the detectives decided to switch up the interviews, and they went back to the couple oh. to interview the All other right. one. Wait. Mm. Okay. What? These people better not have pulled a Tupac and run off and fake their own death, and live in Mexico now. Yeah, that would be crazy. Oh! <gasps> okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Byington asked Skylar how she had that kind of money to buy a boat like this, and she said that she'd earned really good money from her child acting days, you know, as a power ranger. And now she had some profitable real estate deals in Mexico. Skylar actually has dual citizenship in Mexico and the U.S., and 
Byington basically told her that he doesn't believe that she'd been able to come up with nearly $500,000 from a few real estate deals and like some child acting from way back in the day. Like he just wasn't buying it. And Skylar said, all right, all right, you got me. She was just very embarrassed to admit it, but actually the money came from drugs. Oh. It was drug money okay. that they'd used to buy the yacht. She like told Power Byington, Rangers and then drugs are like, oh, there's like a lot of things in between those. Right. Okay. Well, don't forget, she was also like in that elite Marine yes. Force recon group also. So. Does that pay well? I mean, I don't know. Well, it just wouldn't really mix with drug money, just like yeah. Power Rangers oh. doesn't mix oh. with oh. drug money. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't think. She told Byington that her arrest from the burglary a few years ago was because some Mexican drug lords had asked her to go to that house and confirm that there was 100 kilos of cocaine in the house. And she said she had all this money from that deal with the drug lords and that she basically didn't know what to do with all of this money. She couldn't bring it into the U.S. because she get in trouble. And so it was just like sitting there in Mexico. So she decided to launder the money through this sale of the boat. Oh, my gosh. Byington couldn't believe it. The story seemed so far-fetched. But if it wasn't true, why would Skylar say it? Why would she lie when she was admitting about laundering money internationally from a drug cartel? Like, who lies yeah. to a detective about that? That makes it worse. Yes. That's Skylar swore that those criminal days were all behind her now. She had just been trying to find a legit way to use the money to support her family so they could, like, move on from that criminal past and go straight. She was hoping to become a dive master and run diving and fishing charters on the boat. And in the meantime, it was a place for her family to live. Okay, but if she is wanting to run the charters and the diving and fishing, then she should already know how to drive the boat. So like the waiting to get lessons from the people. Well, she's right? hoping I mean, to become a dive master, but she does okay. not know how to operate this particular boat. I mean, these yachts okay. are all... Ooh. <laughs> that was crazy. Ooh. <laughs> She said that since Tom and Jackie were trying to buy a place down in Mexico, Skylar told them she could help since she had citizenship there and it would be easier for her to buy the property. Is she so, from there? Yeah, her dad is from there and she has dual oh. citizenship. Okay. Yeah. So Tom and Jackie had given power of attorney to the Deleons so that they could open a bank account. The Hawkses could deposit the sale proceedings there to avoid taxes and then they could take out a mortgage on some property in San Carlos. But the bank hadn't let the De Leons open that account yet, so they were still working on that. I part. feel like something shady is going on with money here, and mm -hmm. I don't think anyone is innocent so far. Okay. Byington wanted to see the documents from the sale of the boat, and Skylar told him they were all at the hotel they were staying at, so they headed there to room 307. Jennifer went straight to the chest of drawers in the room and grabbed a manila a envelope. Gun. Oh. <laughs> A manila envelope that contained the boat's transfer paperwork and the power of attorney documents, all of which was totally legit. The documents were signed, notarized, they were even fingerprinted. Tom and Jackie were definitely present at the sale. They signed all of these papers. There was also a witness that signed the papers, a person named Alonzo Machain, who turned out to be a friend of Skylar's. The only thing that was missing was the actual bill of sale, and Jennifer said she knew it was somewhere in that hotel room, but she'd keep looking for it and bring it to them the next day, 
rather than just have them stand there and wait for it. So the next day, November 30th, Skylar came in for an interview. Her story was basically exactly the same as before, down to laundering the money from Mexico. Sergeant Byington told her that she could have lied and said she inherited the money, but instead she told the truth, and she just seemed so forthcoming. Byington asked her how they actually paid for the boat, and Skylar said that she met up with the Hawkses at the 15th Street dock, where the well-deserved was, and that it all happened in the parking lot. She had a suitcase full of money, just stacks and stacks of $100 bills. Cartel all cash, in man. suitcases, yep. Byington asked Skylar to, like, indicate how high the stacks were, and she did it with her fingers. But Byington is thrown off by this. He said he's worked a ton of narcotics cases, and he's seen drug money, and he said it would just be a suitcase full of bills thrown in there. He said there's no way there would be perfectly stacked cash. Why and not? I, well, I am not a drug dealer. I cannot comment on how well they stack their cash. But maybe you could enlighten us from your previous. Yeah, I would tell a- you that I. Okay, no, quit <laughs> putting that out speech. there. Oh my god, people! At least you've convinced at least one person now that that's true. No, but there's got to be oh. at least one type A drug dealer out there that is stacking the bills. There's someone out there that is like very meticulously dealing their drugs. Don't I have I? to believe it. Okay, all right. So maybe Skylar's telling the truth here, and there were. Perfectly stacked. I don't think you can make a determination on if it's messy or stacked, you know? Sure. Yeah. All right. And also, I initially thought, you know, when they said they'd paid cash, I thought they just meant they hadn't used a loan. You know, like when you put a cash offer in on a house, I didn't think they literally paid in like a suitcase full of cash. (laughs) That's because you don't deal with the cartel, okay? (laughs) I don't. As someone who at my first job, as we know. The Great mm-hmm. Waffle House only accepted cash at the time when I worked there. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I only dealt with cash, okay? So are you saying that by all this time even talking about Waffle House, what you really meant was all that time spent dealing drugs? <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm done with you. I have not even once ever seen a drug. Well, that's – well, okay. Yeah, that's- you pushed it. Now nobody believes you. <laughs> No, I was going to say I've never actually. And then I remembered, you know, I mean, then the that you went to college dorm room. Oh, (laughs) then it was there, but it wasn't all over your house, (laughs) your room. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Skylar said that when Tom opened the suitcase full of cash, he seemed nervous and excited. And Tom basically said, here's the keys to the yacht. And he and Jackie drove off. And that's the last time she saw them. Skylar told Byington that Tom had been talking about going to San Carlos and buying a little house and a boat down there, and she guarantees that's where they are. They're down in Mexico. And Skylar's leaning forward. She seems so honest, so just straightforward. Her story has never wavered. It's never changed. It's backed up by documents and other statements by the family, like the fact that she knew they were planning on going to San Carlos. The whole thing seems so strange, but so far, everything is really checking out. So they bring in the notary to ask her about this whole thing. Maybe she can clear some of this stuff up. Like, did you really notarize these documents? Were you really there? Were they there? there? Yeah. Yeah. Her name is Kathleen Harris, and she'd never been in trouble before, a day in her life. There was nothing in her background that stood out as suspicious or anything. And she told the exact same story as Skylar and Jennifer. This whole thing happened in a parking lot in the marina. Tom and Jackie were there for the sale. They signed everything. 
They put their fingerprints down. She notarized it with a little stamp and whatever. And then they drove off in their CRV. The witness that signed the paper, Alonso Machain, he comes in and tells the same thing. Alonso had actually met Skylar while Skylar was in jail. Alonzo was a guard at the time, and he and Skylar became like best buddies. Hmm. Jennifer's father had what paid was Skylar a- in jail for before. So I think I get into it later, but Skylar was in jail for burglary with an arm with a oh, weapon. Oh, you did say that. Yeah. Yeah. So Alonzo was a prison guard at the time, and he and Skylar became really fast friends. Jennifer's father had paid a lot of money, like $2,000 a month, to allow Skylar to be able to participate in this work furlough program. This allowed Skylar to leave the jail during the day to go to work. What? Yes. It meant that she only had to spend weekday nights and Sundays in the jail. But Skylar did not really go to work. She did sometimes, but mostly she stayed home with Haley while Jennifer went to work as a hairstylist. Uh, she and Alonzo would hang out and do things buddies do. You know, they'd watch TV. They'd eat pizza. They got really close. They became close friends. And again, Alonzo tells detectives the same story about the sale of the boat. It was in a parking lot. Tom and Jackie were there. Their signatures were notarized. They got in their CRV and they drove away. Police now are really at a dead end. And they're still really, really hoping that Tom and Jackie are down in Mexico. They had the money and the means to do it. Their car was flagged crossing the border. And everyone's stories were matching up and checking out. All their questions were answered with pretty satisfying answers. The biggest stumbling block for Byington was this power of attorney. The whole family told Byington that absolutely no way would Tom give Skylar power of attorney over their accounts. They just met. They just met. Skylar claimed that it was because Tom wanted to buy property in Mexico and you have to be a citizen or have established residency to buy property there. She said she's very experienced in buying property there. And since she has dual citizenship, she said she could help the Hawkses out. But it would have to involve some convoluted plan of giving them power of attorney. And this explanation made no sense to the family. For one thing, Trisha Schutz had always managed their accounts, and surely they would have mentioned it to Trisha if they were planning on giving power of attorney to someone else. Yeah, like even if you already do it, then like a follow-up like, hey, we did this thing today. Right. Second, Tom wouldn't have done that just to get Skylar's help purchasing a house in Mexico. It's actually not that hard to buy property in Mexico. I looked it up. It's really easy for foreigners to own property there. There are restricted zones, like on the beach, but even in the restricted zones, you just have to go through a bank trust. You can still get the property. It's very common. People do it all the time. There's absolutely no reason Tom would have signed over power of attorney to buy property in Mexico. There's just no way he would have thought that was the best way to go about it. But at this point, police don't have any other lines of inquiry to follow. No other leads. There's no physical evidence of a crime. Still no word from Tom and Jackie. So they continue to dig into Skylar and Jennifer's background, trying to see what all they can uncover there. And they discover a lot about Skylar. She grew up with a drug-addicted mom and a dad who manufactured speed. It was a crazy house, and he was a terrible dad. He was abusive in every way imaginable. He'd swat Skylar's diapered butt with a wooden spoon so hard the spoon would break. 
<sighs> he'd slap and choke Skylar as a toddler. Oh. Skylar's mom eventually left her dad after it was clear that he was going to kill her eventually. She tried to take Skylar with her, but due to her coke habit, the court actually gave custody to her dad, who refused to comply with the court-ordered visitation schedule, and her mom was too scared to fight him in court over it. Of course. As Skylar grew, her dad got her into acting so he could make money off of her, but all Mm -hmm. she ever got were a few parts in commercials and a spot as an extra in one episode of Power Rangers. She always had trouble remembering her lines, and her dad would just scream and scream at her, and he hated how effeminate Skylar was. And eventually, Mm. Skylar left home and joined the Marines. She thought it would make her look more manly to her dad, because even though she hated him, she was still always trying to impress him. Right. She told everyone she'd been a part of that elite group, Marine Corps Force Recon, and that she had all this intense military training and like 62 confirmed kills. That number changed depending on who you asked. She even had this big force recon tattoo on her back. But it turns out that actually she had joined the Marines, but she'd gone AWOL just like two weeks after joining. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, and she'd gotten an other than honorable discharge. Mm. So no elite military force. Jennifer, on the other hand, came from a very loving home. She and her family went to church every weekend. She played softball in high school and was in a Bible study club. She'd never been in trouble a day in her life. Actually, neither of them had actually ever been in trouble before they got married. Oh, my gosh. She met Skylar online, and then their online chatting turned into marathon phone conversations. And they planned their first date at the mall. The mall. They went to a movie, they spent the day together, and from that moment on, they were inseparable. At one point, it seemed like Jennifer was starting to wonder if she wanted to continue dating Skylar. She started pulling away. So to keep her close, Skylar borrowed a friend's motorcycle, got into an accident, I think on purpose, and then exaggerated her injuries so Jennifer would feel sorry for her. It worked, and Jennifer moved into an apartment with Skylar so she could take care of her. Skylar managed to get a personal injury settlement from the accident because the accident actually had made her incontinent because of her injuries. It forced her to wear adult diapers. Oh, my gosh. I bet she regrets that. Yeah. Yeah. You would think so. Skylar spent a good portion of that settlement on a $10,000 engagement ring for Jennifer. Oh, wow. Yeah. That seems like what you do. Yeah. They dated for a year before Skylar proposed in Catalina. They had a small wedding on the beach when Skylar was 23 and Jennifer was 21, so both very young. They'd had to throw the wedding together really quickly because Skylar said that she was being recalled for duty with the Marines, but later the Marines changed their minds, I guess, because she never had to report. Also because hmm. she's not actually in the Marines. the Marines. Yeah. Jennifer got pregnant on their wedding night and they had their daughter mm. Haley. And then she got pregnant again. Neither of them made much money. Skylar had worked for a mortgage company called Ditech as an appraisal assistant, and Jennifer worked as a hairstylist. But they lived well above their means, racking up some major credit card debt fast. At the time of the boat sale, they were almost $100,000 in debt and living in the garage in Jennifer's parents' home in Long Beach. Whoa. They'd converted it into like a livable space, but there was no bathroom or kitchen out there. They'd have to go into the main house for that, 
which seemed like a nightmare when you've got a small child and a baby on the way. You have to like leave and go into the main house. To I mean, the yeah, bathroom. You're in a garage. Yeah. Like Jennifer, Skylar had never been in trouble with the law before until she broke into the home of a guy that she used to work with twice and stole from him. She told police that the guy, his name was Ted, that he'd been a drug dealer and had been flaunting his money, but that wasn't true. While she was out on bail for the burglary charge, Jennifer convinced her dad to pay for them to have this like nice, fancy, formal wedding on this two-level yacht charter called the Spirit of Newport. Oh my goodness. I'm like shocked by the money. I know. Two months after the wedding, Skylar was sentenced to a year in jail for the burglary after she pled guilty. And that's where she met Alonzo and all that. Mm -hmm. She would go on the work furlough and they'd like hang out. But police don't really know where to go next. They have this information. It's like interesting. It's not very helpful. It's not going to help them close this case. They don't know where to go next. So they go to the media. Mm. On December 13th, 2004, Tom and Jackie have been missing for 28 days. And Sergeant Steve Shulman and Ryan Hawks go on Good Morning America to plead for any information about the disappearance. Ryan says that his top priority is finding where his mom and dad are, and that as much as he is trying to maintain hope and optimism, he knows that something is terribly wrong. He provided 15 to 20 photos of Tom and Jackie, and they just all showed that this was a family that really cared about one another. Sergeant Shulman said that when their focus, that where their focus was now was on finding the car. He described the CRV. He said it had Arizona plates, and he knew that if they could find the car, they would be one step closer to finding Tom and Jackie. As soon as the episode aired, their tip line started going crazy. But the biggest tip came from this retired couple who was living in Mexico in San Miguel. And the wife said she was looking at the car right then as she spoke. She quickly snapped a picture of the car and sent it to detectives. And they were like, holy crap, that's it. That's the car. Yeah. Everyone was so relieved. It gave hope to the family again that Tom and Jackie really were there in Mexico. Three days later, Sergeant Byington, Detective Keith Crawlman, and a CSI guy headed down to Ensenada, about 90 minutes south of the border. Is this lady just, like, staying on the phone for three days following this car if it moves? Because <laughs> literally that's what I would do. I'm sure she's, like, watching it out her window, and it's just, like, <sighs> been parked outside this house. They're in, like, this trailer park. Detective Crawlman had been brought along because he's, like, a really big guy, and he'd worked undercover in LAPD with the Gang and Narcotics Division. They also brought along Officer Garnica from California Highway Patrol because he spoke Spanish. When they got to Ensenada, they rendezvoused with the Spanish authorities on the beach who told them that for the past four hours, they'd had men surrounding the house in the trailer park where the car was parked in front of. And they were watching both the car and a white couple inside. <gasps> Byington's immediate thought was that this is Tom and Jackie. They're hiding out. Yep. And as great as it would be to find them alive... He was going to have a hard time not punching them in the face for putting everyone through all of this. Yeah. What the hell? But when they knocked on the door, Byington stayed behind the Mexican police so they could, like, do their thing and he wouldn't get in the way. A middle-aged Latino man answered the door and he starts speaking with the police in Spanish. And Byington can't really follow the conversation. He only understands snippets here and there. But then the man says something he definitely understands. He distinctly heard the man say, 
Skylar DeLeon. Byington turned to Detective Crawman and immediately said, Skylar murdered these people. These people as in? Tom and Jackie. Oh, okay. Any possibility of finding the Hawks is not the person that they're currently speaking to. I know. I was like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) He is like, in my brain, yeah, never mind. All right. It's late. (laughs) Yeah, I'm tired. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Any possibility of finding the Hawks is alive went out the window with that one name. They got confirmation that it had been Skylar that had dropped the car off there. And then he heard the man say the name Jennifer. Jennifer had been there too. She was also involved in all of this. Who is this man and how does he have all this info? So the middle-aged man said that Skylar was a good friend of his son's. He'd known her forever. She was an avid surfer and would often come down to Mexico to surf and she'd stay with the family whenever she did. So like he knew Skylar. This can't, surfers are not murderers. It doesn't Skylar, like, work. That is not true. <laughs> surfers can't be murderers. I love all your blanket statements. You know, murderers can't. Surfers can't be murderers. I guess murderers can surf, but it's like the square rectangle thing, you know? Mm, okay, you're not like okay. a true surfer if you're out there murdering people. I see what you're saying. I get that. It's like a yogi trying to murder people. Like, you can yeah, do like, yoga, but... Yeah. You're not, you're not truly a yoga doer. <laughs> yeah. If you're, you're out there murdering yeah, people. Yeah, you're cramping the vibe. Ryan Hawks said that he'd been 99% sure that his parents were murdered. But when they found the car and heard that Skylar had been the one to drop off their car in Mexico, it went up to 100. Hmm. Byington got a little frustrated with the Mexican authorities who wouldn't let him take possession of the car until he filled out all the paperwork. He was really worried about leaving a car full of potential evidence that could get contaminated between now and then. Byington had to sign a ton of paperwork that he didn't understand, but he just like signed it all, hoping He's that like, it give would me get this in car. the car. Yeah, exactly. While they waited for the paperwork to get processed, he and Crawman went to a restaurant nearby and they started thinking through all the evidence so far. Okay, so now that they know, Skylar definitely killed these people. How are we going to reconcile all of these things, you know? The boat had turned up no physical evidence, no fingerprints, no blood, no DNA. Because they're out there cleaning. They got a whole cleaning crew. They're cleaning the church. They know what they're doing. Exactly. Because not even from the Hawkses, no fingerprints, which Uh, meant that the cleanup job was pristine. They were both certain that Skylar had somehow killed the Hawks on the yacht, possibly dumped their bodies in the water. One of the heavy anchors was missing, and that could have been used to weigh the bodies down. uh Mm-hmm. But Skylar's story had been so good. She had so many people backing her up. Jennifer's story matched. Alonzo's story matched. And most surprisingly, the notary's story matched. And that's not even all. I mean, the detectives had talked to a whole ton of people that I'm not even going into. The paper trail, like the notary and the witness and all of that. I mean, I know the witness was Skylar's friend. But I like all of that matching is interesting. Right. Crawlman said he thought the notary, Kathleen Harris... She was the key to this whole thing. He was sure that she's lying. There was no way she was telling the truth about Tom and Jackie being there for the sale of the boat and signing all those documents willingly in front of her. There was no way that that was the case now, not with Skylar dropping the car off in Mexico. Mm -hmm. If they could get Kathleen to crack, that would bust this whole thing wide open. 
This next part is not important, but I wanted to include it that when the car was finally released to them, the Mexican authorities wouldn't allow a tow truck to take it. They said that Byington have to drive it himself. And so Byington gets in the car and he's like in gloves and like a hat and like all this stuff Ah. to try not. And then he looks and it's like a stick shift and he's like got to take this thing. And they have to try to get out of Mexico without getting pulled over by another Mexican yeah, police agency. that's looking for that car. That Everybody's looking for this car, and they'd have to explain why they're driving the car of a dead couple. So Why uh, couldn't they, they tow it? I don't, I'm not sure why they wouldn't let him tow it. That's they ridiculous. Really say. I know. <laughs> they're, like, all having, like, a practical joke day. They're like, <laughs> yes. hey, and, like, in Spanish, they're like, let's tell this gringo he's got to drive this car. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, exactly. That's exactly what happened. But they made it back. Finally, they were ready to get to the end of this case. Detectives don't have what they need yet to arrest Skylar on the homicide charges. But they do have plenty of evidence to arrest her on suspicion of money laundering. So on December 17th, suspicion, I mean, she straight said that she straight said that. Yeah. So on December 17th, 2004, they did just that at the De Leon home in Long Beach. And Skylar said, this is ridiculous. I sit and try to help you guys, and then I get in trouble. They also came with a search warrant to search the De Leon's small apartment in Jennifer's parents' garage. Jennifer told them they wouldn't find anything in there, just laundry and some baby stuff. But they found a treasure trove Uh. of incriminating evidence. They found two attache cases filled with the Hawks' personal papers, as well as their digital recorder with some recorded tapes. When they watched the tapes, they realized that they were all of the home movies that Jackie had filmed of her and Tom's adventures out at sea. But on one tape, the footage cut from Tom and Jackie to Skylar and Jennifer's family Thanksgiving. Like they'd used the recorder and recorded over their videos. Jackie's laptop was there. And interestingly, a business card for LAPD detective Joe Bahena who was the LAPD's Interpol liaison officer. Basically, whenever there's a case that Mexican authorities needed to investigate in California, Mm -hmm. he was their contact. And it was really weird that his card would be there. Like, what did they want with Skylar? Right. Or Jennifer. They contacted Detective Joe Bahena, and that's when they learned about John Jarvie. Apparently, Detective Bahena had been helping Ensenada State Police come up to California to investigate the murder of John Jarvie, a California resident whose body had been found in Ensenada (gasps) with his throat slit. John, or JP as he was known, was a counterfeiter that had served time in jail with Skylar while she was there on the burglary charges. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Skylar kept herself very, very busy. This is also when she met Alonso, the guard, you know. I didn't realize there were so many extracurriculars in prison. Right. I didn't realize you could just get this. I, I'd heard of work release programs. I didn't know that meant you just like left really released. Yeah, yeah, I thought like you went on a bus to go work somewhere and then you and got they, on like, a bus. watched you. No, this is like you just leave in the morning and then you just report back at like nine o'clock that night. Yeah. What if you just don't report back? Like, what's the incentive to report back? <laughs> I guess then you're like a fugitive and then you don't get this sweet, sweet deal. I would think it would be for nonviolent offenders, not burglars who break into people's homes with guns. Yeah. Like, anyways. Alonso, the guard, he's a C student in high school who now works the graveyard shift at the jail for like less than 10 bucks an hour. 
And he's not a big guy. He's 5'9", but only 135 pounds. The graveyard shift was pretty boring, so he would hang out with Skylar while she told him stories of her time on Power Rangers. Skylar told Alonzo all kinds of lies, but the lies were perfectly designed to manipulate him. She told him that she could get him a better job. She told him that her job as an electrician assistant was just a hobby because actually she was making between $100,000 and $4 million a month doing appraisals for big lenders. She told Alonso that her mom was the vice president of Ditech. And Alonso wasn't just buying all this stuff on Skylar's word. Skylar would come in with photos of herself on the Power Rangers set. Or she'd leave behind bank receipts in her cell for Alonso to find that showed, like, really high bank balances. She's, like, really planting, like... Really planting these seeds. Like, I'm very rich. And not only that, but you're my friend. And I want to make you rich, too. Yeah, I've heard this story before. Yes. Eventually, Alonso and Skylar were actual friends. Alonso would cover for Skylar when she would return to the jail late on the work furlough program. And Skylar would teach Alonso about the real estate business. So she also told Alonso that J.P. Jarvie, who was in jail with all of them at this time, that he'd persuaded Skylar to loan him her jet so that she could use it to launder money. So that he could use it to launder some counterfeit money. No. Yeah. J.P. got out of jail, and the next Alonso heard about him was Skylar telling him that J.P. was dead. Did Alonso ask how? I don't think Alonzo wanted to know. Mm. No, I'm not sure. I don't know. In actuality, Skylar had been running the same ruse on JP that she had been on Alonzo, making it seem like she had all this money. She came from this really wealthy family. JP was a smart guy, but he'd been a little lost. Out of high school, he'd started a dentistry repair business and then got bored and left that. He got his pilot's license. He bought a Cessna and he started flying business people around until he got bored with that too. The only thing JP seemed to stick with that he really liked was being around rich people with their fancy clothes and their expensive toys. And that's what brought him to Newport. He wanted to be in with the rich and famous. And here Skylar was telling him that she was all of those things. When JP got out of jail, Skylar kept in touch with him and they started coming up with this plan. Skylar told him that there was this big investment that was a sure thing. It was going to pay off big. And if JP wanted to just throw in $50,000, they could go down to Mexico together and come back with all this money. Yes, please. So one day while Skylar's out on the work release, she and JP drove down to Mexico with JP's $50,000, but only Skylar came back. (sighs) She took him to a backcountry road and somehow managed to blindfold him. She led him blindfolded by the arm to the spot that she wanted, and then she slit his throat and just left him there to die. Oh, my God. JP managed to crawl about 100 yards up a ravine and to the road where his body was later found by some American missionaries. JP's mom, Betty, said that she wakes up every night thinking about what his last moments must have been like. She said, what type of person could convince someone to give them $50,000 and then take them across the border just to slit their throat. When Detective Bahena was contacted by Sergeant Byington, the John Jarvie case was totally unresolved. The Newport Beach team investigating Skyler was exactly what Bahena needed to get JP's case mm. solved. But before they could move forward with the John Jarvie case, they have to get the evidence they need to get Skyler and maybe also Jennifer for the murders of Tom and Jackie Hawks. 
They're still not sure what Jennifer's role was here, but they're starting to think that she was more involved than... Really? Mm -hmm. I was hoping that was not the case, but... (sighs) Yeah. So, and to do all of this, they needed the notary, Kathleen Harris, to tell them the truth. Kathleen Harris had no criminal background. She was a professional notary. She'd never been in trouble a day in her whole life. They'd already interviewed her about four or five times, and her story was the same every single time. She says Uh she drove to the marina. She met the couple in the parking lot. They signed the documents in front of her. She notarized them. End of story. That's it. This time, Detective Crawlman wants a crack at her. He thinks maybe switching up the interviewer will help, and he's never interviewed her before. And he went hard on Kathleen, demanding she tell him the truth. He tells her he doesn't believe her. He said, Kathleen, these people didn't sign these documents in front of you, did they? And she responded by saying, when I filled out the log, they had to sign in and I had to take their thumbprint. And she said she was like 90% sure that she took their thumbprint. And Detective Crawman is like, what are you talking about? Did you take the thumbprint or not? It's 100% or nothing. What do you mean? Yeah. I'm 90% sure I took their thumbprint. But Kathleen didn't crack. At least... Not during that interview. But a few days later, Byrington got a call from an attorney that said he was representing Kathleen Harris and that she was ready to talk. Oh, sh- shnikes. Yep. As detectives already knew, her entire story was made up. She had never met Tom and Jackie Hawks. The De Leons gave her the documents already signed by the Hawks and paid her in cash to backdate the documents. Ugh. Girl, well, as a notary, you gotta know that mm-hmm. no one's asking you to do that for any like legitimate reason. That is not no. shady. Nope. Once Kathleen <sighs> told the truth, it brought the entire operation down. Now they could press on all the other people they now know for sure lied to them. People like Alonzo, mm-hmm. who turned out to be the real weak link in this conspiracy. I just can't get over the fact that, like, I thank goodness I surround myself with good people because mm-hmm. I don't like anyone enough to be – you ask me to backdate something? No, it's like the post office guy. Now I know how he fills with his stamp when he's well, like, I think it, no, you can't roll the date back. And I don't think she did that as a favor for Skylar. I think she did that for the money. Right. But I just, like, don't – I would not surround myself with people that are putting me in precarious no. situations. Yeah, for sure. Alonso was ready to do and say whatever he needed to to save himself. He turned himself in, and then he took the detective step by step through the entire conspiracy. Mm. Skylar had approached Alonso with a plan to make a couple million dollars. She told Alonso that she was an international hitman, but the kind that only kills bad people. You know, an assassin yes, I do with know a conscience. About this. Right, yes. She said she usually doesn't get paid for these jobs. She just does it out of the kindness of her heart to stop the evil from spreading, you know? Boy, you Spider-Man? Right. Yes, exactly. But like a darker version of Spider-Man, you know? And so Batman? <laughs> yes, like Batman. Does Batman kill people? Because Spider-Man doesn't kill people. He just webs them up and lets the police find him. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm sure I will be corrected. Don't you worry. <laughs> True crime people and comic people, I bet there's some overlap. There's probably some overlap out there. But she said even though she didn't get paid, they did allow her to keep whatever assets she was able to get off of her targets. They being the people giving her the targets, you know, this the head of the international hitman 
association. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a imha. Imha. She told Alonso that these people, Tom and Jackie, they had done something bad and they had pissed someone off. And luckily, they were rich. Once they killed them, they'd have their boat and their savings. Skylar's plan went through several different iterations. She was a dive master, and she thought about taking Tom scuba diving and killing him under the water. But then she decided to just take them out to sea and toss them overboard. Is she a dive master or not? So that's a very good question. I think she is a dive master. I think this guy, Adam, who is like related to Kathleen somehow. Adam ran like a charter business, a diving thing, and he trained Skylar on it, not really knowing who Skylar really was, you know. Skylar and Alonso, they bought stun guns and handcuffs and then set up a meeting with Tom on November 6th, 2004, posing as a prospective buyer wanting a tour of the boat. They planned on doing it that day, but once Skylar saw Tom, who is a bodybuilder and in amazing shape, she changed her mind. No way would they be able to take them. And actually, Skylar told Alonso that she probably could take him, but that they should probably just get somebody just in case, you know, but just in case. There's no way. Skylar's not big. <laughs> and Tom, for his part, he was suspicious right off the bat of Skylar and Alonso. He'd worked in probation with ex-cons, and neither of them seemed like the type that could afford a $400,000 boat. Mm-hmm. Skylar could sense Tom's unease, so she sent Alonso on his way and called up Jennifer and told Jennifer to come meet these people at the boat to set their minds at ease. And Jennifer showed up. She's young. She's very pregnant. She's pushing little 10-month-old Haley in a stroller. And Jackie is such a sucker for babies. Her family said that seeing that baby would have put her instantly at ease. Oh, yeah. So the De Leons leave with the Hawks is certain that they're going to buy their yacht and they'll be moving on to the next stage of their life as grandparents. They set up the sea trial for the 15th. And in the meantime, Skylar needed to find someone to be their muscle, someone strong enough to take on Tom. So like, does Jennifer know what's happening at this point? I just have to believe that she does. Yeah, we'll go into like what Jennifer probably knew and all of that. But yes, she knows exactly what she's doing. And you're not going to believe who they get to help. Alonzo. J.F. Well, Alonzo's already going, but he's 135 pounds. He cannot yeah. take Tom. Yeah, yeah. J.F.K. himself, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. <laughs> what? I'm not kidding. That's this guy's name. I mean, this <laughs> J.F.K. wasn't a president, but he was basically like gang royalty. He was an original founding member of the Long Beach Insane Crips, the largest African-American criminal street gang in Long Beach. And here's where I'm going to tell you about what happened to Tom and Jackie. And just a warning, it's really awful. Oh, I don't. I'm I'm okay without that part. I I can predict. On November 15th, 2004, Tom and Jackie go out on the boat with JFK, Alonso, and Skyler. They leave Newport and they head towards Catalina and their plan begins. First, they separate Tom and Jackie. Skylar and JFK go down below deck with Tom while Alonso stays with Jackie in the kitchen. She hears a struggle from below, but before she can react, Alonso gets the handcuffs on her. Down below, JFK is able to get the handcuffs on Tom. 
and they lay them down next to each other on the bed. Jackie pleads for her life, and she says she just wants to see her grandson, and she Uh. begs them. And she says, how could you do this to us? We met your daughter, your pregnant wife. We trusted you. Their hands are behind their backs, but they're close enough that Tom can touch Jackie's hand, and he starts stroking her hand, trying to comfort her, telling her that it'd be okay, because wherever they were going, they'd go there together. Tom and Jackie are then brought up to the deck to sign the documents for the sale of the boat and the power of attorney. Yes, they're signing it, like, handcuffed under duress, like, not... Sure, without a notary there. Right, yes. Yeah. They sign the papers, but Jackie messes up her signature. She signs it Hawk instead of Hawks with an S. Someone went back later and added the S, but it's obvious that it was added on. It was like the last thing Jackie could do to leave a clue. Skylar then set the GPS for the deepest point in that area of the ocean, 3,500 feet. He -hmm. went to the front of the boat and he grabbed this huge anchor and dragged it to the back of the boat. And he handcuffed Tom and Jackie to the anchor. Tom kicked Skylar so hard in the groin that she almost fell over, but she stood up and tossed the anchor into the water, dragging Tom and Jackie with it. They were alive when the anchor brought them to the deepest part of the sea. And that is what happened to Tom and Jackie Hawks. And because she's absolute pure evil, Skylar gave a woohoo as soon as they were dragged off the boat and just watched until the water became still. And once it was, they turned the boat around. JFK found some fishing poles and he decided to go fishing on the boat. He grabbed one of Tom's beers out of the fridge and sat down to have a great time. So I don't understand how people can be so cold. Like, I, I understand how you can make a choice like that and completely end someone's, like, family. And there's so many people out there. Murders are going to happen today and the, mo- the next day and the day after that. Yeah, but this one, to me, I mean, even if they had shot them before tossing them in the water, that would seem less cold to me than handcuffing them, dragging them in as if I can't even bother a second thought about what's going to happen to them now you know i don't know why it seems different but it it's just got to be the most awful way to die and just to do that to somebody on purpose just seems ugh. does that keep people up at night like i had a nightmare the other night about like a you know like a work deadline like you didn't respond to text that one time yeah i mean yeah <laughs> like yeah. that's where my anxiety is at and we have people that are right. like Having a restful sleep after ending someone's life. Yeah, and I think what makes me so sad is, like, all the people that are missing out, like Jace, who would have had these amazingly adoring, loving grandparents, probably his whole life, because they're so, like, in great shape and, like, you know, probably be around. He probably would have been around for a really long time and had, like, this wonderful relationship with them. And he probably would have spent summers in Mexico and, like, going out mm-hmm. on the boat with that. Like, I don't know. It's just like he was robbed of that. And then, of course, their sons, you know, their and for what? And all of their friends. Like, what is for literally the, for what? Like, they Skylar got Skylar and Jennifer got yeah. what? They're not even together anymore, right? <laughs> well, not – no, not now. Yeah. Right. I mean, at this point, they all are. And so investigators now have basically the entire story, but they're split on Jennifer. Half the police department thinks she's just like a dutiful wife who got caught up in this whole thing while the other half thought she was the ice queen. Those on that side were certain that even though Jennifer wasn't on that boat when the Hawkses were murdered, 
She was instrumental in this whole scheme. But still, they offered her immunity to testify (gasps) against Skylar. A complete get-out-of-jail-free card. Literally. But she turned it down. What? She stuck by Skylar. For what reasons? I have no idea. Jennifer was arrested for the murders, and her trial began on November 2006. By this time, she and Skylar had gotten a divorce, and she was Jennifer Henderson. And it was clear from the start that her entire defense planned to blame Skylar for everything, that she'd only done what she'd done out of fear of Skylar. She said she didn't know that this murder was going to happen and that Skylar forced her into it. And I say it's really unfortunate she decided to go with this defense after turning down that immunity deal to testify against her. I'm still in shock. I'm not understanding. (laughs) Yeah. And also, there was evidence that showed that Jennifer was not afraid of Skylar at all. And that actually, she might have been the one in charge of this whole thing. There's video footage of Skylar and Jennifer at the bank trying to use the power of attorney documents to drain the Hawks' accounts. And Jennifer had this giant grin on her face the whole time. It's not exactly the face of someone who's afraid of the person that she's with. Right. She planned to profit from this whole thing just like Skylar did. Skylar said that Jennifer was the brains and that she did not make a move without running it by Jennifer. Skylar called Jennifer every step of the way, even after handcuffing Tom and Jackie to the anchor. She called Jennifer. Jennifer knew exactly what was going on the whole time. Then why would she not take immunity? Then why would she not take immunity? Did she not know she was about to get sold out too? Well, I mean, you don't even have to get sold out to like look guilty in this. I mean, it's well, just yeah. crazy. Even Jennifer's attorney seemed to know what was up. <laughs> if I Okay. If this was like me and you and I literally had nothing to do with this, like I didn't know anything you did and you like got on this podcast and was like, I would literally take immunity no matter how absolutely innocent I was. Like, sorry. Oh, 100% just, I'm taking immunity. No yes. matter what. Also, like what – how do you – what does that look like? Is it like in Survivor when they give you like a talisman you get to wear to court? Is there like a piece of yes. paper that just says I have immunity? Like – Yes. Is there a, like a record where it's in there so you can't like 10 years from now someone ask you about it? Like you I'm, tattoo I, it on your forehead in invisible ink and then you get the <laughs> yeah. black light and it just says immune – it's and like then a you microchip number under it. Like with your dog. Oh, yeah. You know? they, you're right. They have gone to the microchip in the wrist. <laughs> they just scan that microchip to see all of the things you're immune from. Well, I'm getting. Okay. Like prosecution okay. from this murder or COVID. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The idea is coming. <laughs> I'm getting chipped every time then because I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to trust that you're filing whatever paper and whatever manila folder that it's. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> like well, yeah. prosecution you, or COVID. That's why you get an attorney. Mogab, always get an attorney. I know, but I just – I need like – I I would get that piece of paper that just says immunity across it and like Comic Sans bold and I would make <laughs> 500 copies right, like in right, my purse, right. in my glove box. And just like, bring it with you every time you like go driving, like you're going to be near a Starbucks, cop. Got, got the immunity. Yes, yep. <laughs> Uh, do you have a discount for immunity? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm paranoid. Even Jennifer's attorney seemed to know what was up with her. Before the trial started, her defense attorney, Michael Molfetta, 
He seemed a little fed up with Jennifer. He tried to break up this prayer. Mulfed up. Mulfetta was fed up. (laughs) He tried to break up this prayer circle that her family was holding in the hallway right outside the courtroom, thinking that even if they're being sincere with this prayer circle, the jury might take it the wrong way or think it was like just for their benefit. But Jennifer's mother shooed him away, saying they were praying for Jesus to help. And Mulfetta told him that he didn't think that he was coming for help. But if he did show up, he figured he'd probably be sitting with the Hawkses. Oh, shit. The courtroom was filled with friends and family of the Hawkses coming to show their support, including J.P. Jarvie's family also. Yeah. Originally, the DA wanted to charge Jennifer as an accessory in the Jarvie murder, but the judge wouldn't allow it. But they were allowed to present evidence from the Jarvie murder to show like a pattern, which is really surprising to me. But the murder was so similar to the murder yeah, of the Hawkses. that Hoxes. goes back and forth. There's so many cases yes. where we're, like, not able to Present earlier stuff. Yes, I know. No former, yeah, yeah. I don't no know if it's, like, crimes, uh, by, judge by but judge But now you basis. can show a pattern. Yeah. I don't like, know does why. does the judge get to make that decision? Yes, but if the judge makes the wrong decision, then they can easily overturn the whole conviction on appeals. Yeah. You know, so... I'm not really sure why they were allowed to do this, but they were. The murders were so similar to the Hawkses, though. Jart, JP's murder. You know, Skylar tricked both of them into thinking they were participating in some kind of financial transaction, took them someplace outside of earshot of any witnesses, murdered them, took their money, and lied to police. Mm -hmm. In the opening statement, the DA walked the juries through all the crimes explaining how Skylar had carried out the overall plans, but showed each step where Jennifer was complicit or participated in the planning or the cover-up. He pointed out how Jennifer had visited the well-deserved with Haley to put Tom and Jackie at ease, her constant calls with Skylar to check in with him on the day of the sea trial. She helped wipe down the boat. She Mm. called the notary several times, promising her more money. She lied to Jim Hawks. She lied to the police. She pointed out that she knew Skylar was a suspect in the Jarvie murder and that Skylar had committed the armed burglary, but still made the choice to marry her and have two children with her. Jennifer stuck by her side, visiting her in jail often. He said that Jennifer knew exactly who Skylar was and that she had helped her with all of it and planned to reap all the benefits of these murders. In the end, Jennifer was convicted on two counts of first-degree murder and sentenced to two terms of life without the possibility of parole. She really should have taken that immunity deal. I mean, I cannot believe it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad she didn't because she was way more involved than – but, like, I just can't believe it. I mean, she went from zero to 100, you know, zero Mm -hmm. to the rest of your life now. While Skylar waited for her trial to begin, she was also charged with soliciting another inmate to murder her cousin and her abusive father. What? Yeah. I don't think the inmate actually did follow through with the murders, but she was charged with, like, trying to hire them. Her trial started in October of 2008, two years after Jennifer's. She was on trial for the murder of Tom and Jackie Hawks, as well as John Jarvie. Yeah. Mm-hmm, JP. The defense surprised everyone by flipping over the top page of this large flip chart to show a chart with these three with these words on it. 
Skyler is guilty of all three murders and special circumstances. This is the defense. <laughs> uh-huh. Basically, he knew he was going to lose the the defense attorney. Skyler was going to get convicted. And so his plan going in was to focus on the penalty phase. Basically, the whole point of this trial was to try and save Skyler from the death penalty. Man, I, I wonder how much time he saved on that trial. Just been like, hey, <laughs> I'm the defense attorney. The defendant is guilty. <laughs> the defendant is very guilty with special circumstances. We know this. But let's talk about his terrible childhood and how maybe that impacted him and why he committed this crime. So mostly that's what they talked about, how Skylar had a terrible childhood and was abused by her dad. Her defense attorney didn't have much to work with. You know, Skylar was a proven liar and a really good one. The DA said that she was the best liar he'd ever seen. She lied about Power Rangers. She lied about the Marines. She lied about being an international hitman of only evil people. And I won't have to tell you which one of those lies is the most offensive. You already know. Egregious. The defense attorney's plan did not work. Skylar was sentenced to death, but this is in California, so she will never actually be put to death. Mm -hmm. She will be spending the rest of her life in prison, though. John Without Fitzgerald. Without a last meal. Out a last meal. You right. You right. Mm-hmm. John Fitzgerald Kennedy was also convicted and sentenced to death for his part in the murders. Alonso testified against Skylar, Jennifer, and JFK and pleaded guilty to two counts each of voluntary manslaughter, kidnapping, and robbery. And Alonso was sentenced to 20 years and four months, and he was eligible for parole in September of 2021. I believe he's still incarcerated, but it was kind of hard to find updates on that. Oh my gosh. I think Skylar is the absolute epitome of evil. And if she hadn't been caught, she would have continued to murder people for profit without a second thought. Sheer evil. And I do not say that very often. I think there was obviously mental health issues going on too, but evil. Jennifer and Skylar's two kids are being raised by relatives. I'm assuming probably her parents, but... They didn't oh, specify. That's so sad. All right. That Man. is uh, that is the murder of Tom and Jack X. Wow. I know. Do we have shout outs? Yes. Always. Always. It's shout out time. Shout out time. We are giving all of the shouts to our patrons. Sign up if you want your shout out. Oh, yeah. If you would like a shout out, you can get a shout out at any level on our Patreon. So. And you know who's getting a shout out right now? Who? Sianna Marie. Sianna Marie. Shouts to you. Also, major shouts, Gina Parsons. G. Parsons. <laughs> I know. I really just, it's like I almost want to read just the pronunciation and see if I get it right on the other side. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Teresa and. Kira? Kira. But see, I read that see. as Teresa. 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 And Kira. So but Teresa. Right? Ter- it looks like Teresa and Sierra. That's what pronunciation guides are I know. For. <laughs> but now I'm like, did we do it wrong? You guys let us know. Y'all Teresa let us know. and Kira. You might be Teresa and Sierra. <laughs> but- Either way, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> All the hearts. Yes. You got this one, Mogab. Oh, this is me too. Cindy from Millington, Tennessee. 
Cindy, it's pretty. Oh, you got this one. Thank, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cindy was really sure that you would be able to get her name. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachelle Bork. Rachelle yeah, Bork. I, I definitely would have said Borke. Um, Borke? Okay, but see, like, are we, is it, I think that's Chell? Ray. Rachel. Chell. Rachel. Rachel. I think it's Rachel. And you Rachel. made it Rachelle. I made it Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel. Sometimes the pronunciations do more harm than good, but we have fun with it, right? We're trying. <laughs> That's fine. Rachel Bork or Rachel Bork. Either way, <laughs> we love you. Now, I think people are just like, what is this even? <laughs> what, what is this, is this even? Kelly Snyder, Chats. thank you for supporting the Patreon. Kelly Snyder, we love Kelly you so much. Kelly Snyder, we love you. And then there's Katie, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, like Katy Perry. Just like I had to check that it wasn't Katy Perry, but it's still another good Katy. (laughs) What if it was though? Like, what what if we just get one that's like Taylor Swift? And I'm like, wait, (laughs) gmail.com. That is definitely her. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) someone email Taylor Swift at (laughs) gmail.com. That person hates their life or they love it. They either really were like Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift, or it's just a fan account. And either way, they hate it. Yes. Uh, Yes. Linda Barn, Linda Barnes, Linda Barnes. Barnes. I thought that was no relation to Linda Louise. I'm sure. (laughs) I was gonna say I thought that was Louise for a second. Thank you so much to Christy. Christy, we love you. Also, I love how Christy spells her name because it's just like my name without the n. The n. Yeah, I'm sure that it was done like that on purpose. On purpose. Mm -hmm. And to round out our shout outs. Mandy Kennedy, like the president. Like the pres- Yikes, the one we talked about today. <laughs> oh, sorry, Mandy girl. Sorry, no Mandy. relation, no relation. No relation, no relation. Well, maybe relation to the real JFK. Mm, yeah, not maybe. This, not this loser JFK in this episode. I hope. Is that your cousin? Oh, <laughs> is that your sorry. cousin? Oh. <laughs> it's okay. I got questionable cousins too, girl. Oh, this. What, what were you going to say? <laughs> On that note. On that note, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, we are going to be going on our summer break. Next episode will be our last episode before our summer break, but we will return July 17th. Nope, July 14th. I did it again. July 14th. We will still be active on our Patreon, though. So if you miss us, check us out over there. If you want to support the show in other ways, you can find us on social media, on Instagram. We are at CreepersPod. Facebook, same thing. We also and on break. Twitter. Did you tweet? I, tweet. I did, did you tweet, tweet girl. girl. Oh, I gave my, check our my Twitter. monthly tweet. Oh, oh, good for you. We we put out a monthly tweet, so <laughs> follow us on Twitter there. You know what? Sorry, Don't make there. a joke about it because I'm gonna love that as part of our brand. <laughs> Twenty followers over on Twitter. We also have a Facebook discussion group that we would love you all to be part of. That is the True Crime Creepers discussion group. And it's a lot of fun in there. And, you know, be sure to subscribe so you know exactly when our next episode drops when I'll tell MoGab another wild story. Bye, peeps and creeps. I better get paid overtime. It's almost midnight.